This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really, and even some non-sports cards too. On top of that, every raw card receives the same hand grading that collectors have put their trust in for over 15 years. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com auctions and check it out for yourself. What's up, everyone? This is episode 186 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, I'd like to start this week by extending a quick congratulations to the Las Vegas Aces for winning their first WNBA championship this past weekend. Now, I have to confess, I'm an old man now, and I couldn't cut the 9 p.m. start time on a lot of these games. I know that sounds really early. It is early, but, you know, I just get tired really early now, so I didn't catch as much of that as I would have liked. I might have to go back and watch the condensed versions on the DVR. Um, In the meantime, that reminds me, though, I've got a box of six 2021 WNBA Prison Blasters sitting here in my office. Maybe I'll rip through those on an Instagram Live sometime. Let me know if that appeals to you at all. And um, it's not a valuable product by any means, but I recommend it if you like the WNBA and you want something cheap to rip. Because I think uh, Dave and Adams, they might still have them for like 13 bucks a piece right now. And no, they don't sponsor the show or anything. I'm just trying to pass along a good deal when I see it. Speaking of buying cards and speaking of good deals, you might have seen on my YouTube channel this week that I visited a couple of card shops in Jacksonville this past weekend. I took a trip there for the Colts-Jags game, which I will not be talking about. Not a good result there. But I made sure to stop by a couple shops while I was in the area, and I won't spoil that video for you, but one of the shops had some nice dollar boxes, and I ended up doing quite a bit of digging, which I really love. So make sure to check that out. I put that content there, though, because I wanted to leave plenty of space for today's conversation with a collector named Matt. You might know him on Instagram as the Sean Livingston Collector, but as you'll see in our conversation, there's so much more to him than just that. I always enjoy chatting with collectors, and I'm pretty excited to share that one with you this week. Before I get there, though, here is this week's installment of Collector Classifieds. Hey, Kyle. Thank you for having me on this installment of Collectors Classifieds. This is Joe, aka Triple J Gambino on Instagram. I am currently putting together the 96-97 Flair Showcase Legacy Rose Zero set and the 98-99 SP Sign of the Times set. If anybody has any leads on any of these cards, please send me a message. Thank you. Okay, so I've known Joe for a few years now. I first met him at trade night at the 2019 National where a group of us ended up going out for dinner afterward, and that was a lot of fun. And then I got to see him again at the Dallas show this past summer, so it's always good to be able to reconnect. And in case you need to hear it again, he's working primarily on two sets. It was the 1996-97 Flair Showcase Legacy Row Zero set, 
and then also the 1998-99 SP sign of the time. So I'll do my best to get some graphics up for those this week, and let's see if we can't help Joe out. All right, before I move into today's conversation, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. You'd like to help support the show in this way? Go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com, click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. This is Slick Leonard. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Boom, baby! Okay, so joining me today is someone that's making his podcast debut. And while he might be new to the world of podcasts, he's certainly not new to the world of collecting. In fact, earlier this week, he showed me the receipts. And I mean that literally. He sent me a copy of a receipt for a Bowman Chrome box that he bought all the way back in 2007. And we're going to hear more about that today. You might know him as the Sean Livingston Collector on Instagram, where he posts under the handle at Basketball Card Collector 93. Matt, how's it going, man? Pretty good, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to this all day. So this is going to be an awesome way to cap the day. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's kind of uh, the good thing about having a show here is it gives me a reason to have these conversations that I enjoy having. So um, these are some of my favorites, the collector conversations. And, um, you know, to be honest, you and I have messaged a little bit back and forth over the last couple of years. And I think it started on my, my dead shots cards account even, and now it's kind of migrated over to the wax museum account. But um, just from those brief interactions, I I feel like I at least have um, a decent grasp on what you might be chasing. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. mainly Sean Livingston cards, but I really don't know the full story behind the chase. So as I've done with many other guests before, let's just start with your collecting history. If you don't mind here, take some time and, and tell us the story of your collecting journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 28. Um, I'm a K through eighth grade PE teacher and I coach fifth grade boys basketball. So I've always had a really big passion for, for you know, basketball. And for me, it started before. Before I even collected cards, it started before Sean Livingston was even a professional basketball player. And uh, I grew up in Ottawa, Illinois, and my dad was a teacher at Ottawa High School, and we were hosting the local, you know, regionals. And Peoria Central, you know, his senior year, we were playing in that. And a neighboring town of LaSalle, Peru, was playing in that as well. And actually, a coworker that I teach with was on that team, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but it's pretty cool. So... My dad was asking me and I'm in fourth grade, you know, so, you know, it was, I forgot what night it was, but my dad was like, Hey, do you want to go to this basketball game? And I was like, nah, I don't know. Um, I was like, do they have anybody that's pretty good? And my dad's like, yeah, they got this team Peoria central. You know, they're really, really good. They got this player named Sean Livingston. You know, he's kind of a big deal. He might be going pro next year. And so my main concern then was if they could dunk, I, you know, I asked my dad, I'm like, well, can they dunk? And my dad's like, yes, they can, they can dunk. So I was like, all right, I'm in. So went to the game. My dad was working one of the quarters of the gym. And that just so happened to be the, the locker room side where they would come out of the locker room and run onto the court. And so he was kind of manning the doors over there. So I was sitting front row at this game and you walk in and it's just sold out. It's, it's super loud. 
but you're familiar with it because it's like, it's your high school. You're very familiar with the layout. And it was coming off of the year, you know, that LeBron just got drafted. So the, you know, high school prospecting was pretty high. There was, you know, there were Livingston, Dwight Howard, Al Jefferson, Telfair, J.R. Smith. There was just a ton of hype around high school athletes. And so I just remember, I knew it was different because you had your analytics guys to the right. You had all the security and police. You had all the, you know, just packed. It was just packed. And so I just remember, you know, looking to my left and seeing the team is right there. And they were huge, huge. Any, unlike anything I've ever seen, you know, six foot seven guys. Like, I'm not used to seeing anything like that. And so I just remember watching the game. And the first half, it was a really good game. Uh, Peoria was winning. And I was just drawn into, you know, this point guard, this six foot seven, just like, you know, scoring at will, making it look so easy. I remember during one of the timeouts, like specifically just small things like this. I remember um, like Outcast just came out with a song, The Way You Move. I just remember that was playing just like things like that, where I can just recall perfectly things that were happening that night. But I remember going into halftime, the score wasn't as, you know, spread out as people had thought it would be. And so the student section for LP was chanting, you know, the overrated towards Sean Livingston. And fast forward, it's kind of like the last dance, you know, where somebody says something to Jordan and Jordan kind of goes, oh, okay, okay. Like, keep it up, keep it up, just wait. So then halftime rolls around and then they come back out. And then the final score ended up being 78 to 43. So it wasn't <laughs> even remotely close. And then the game after that, they played – streeter and won 93 to 43 so it was one of those deals where it wasn't even close but i remember after the game got done you know i had the the team regional packet you know booklet right in front of me with the you know the team roster just pulled up and the game got done they took sean livingston brandon lee he was the other really good uh, guard on that team at the time and they put him behind a table in that corner of the gym that my dad was working so i was the first one in line and I remember I got knocked over. I was just a little kid. All these, you know, grown adults were pushing and shoving to get to him. So I remember I got picked up, put back in front of line, got both autographs. And then like right after that, he might've signed a couple more. And then they, they called it. They said, we're done. We're done. Like, it's just too crazy right now. Hmm. So they, they went back to the locker rooms. And I remember, you know, my dad having some extra pull, I was able to go back there and, and talk with them. And I got more autographs on there and I actually have it framed and up on my wall in my bedroom. So it's one of those cool reminders of, of that night. But like, that's for me, that's where the whole collecting journey started because then the following year he got drafted and I was hooked. Like I, like from that night, like I was a player collector of his and I followed his ups and downs. And, you know, obviously with the injury and everything, that was pretty tragic. I wasn't, I was not a happy camper that night, but. Yeah. Well, can uh, you, um, because we might have some newer basketball fans here. Can you talk oh, just yeah. a little bit about that injury real quick? Yeah. So I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. It was February 26th. <laughs> I don't know the date. That, that's all you. That I'd have to double check it, but I think that's the date. Yeah. He went up for a left, left-handed layup and it was a fast break and just decimated everything like Torres ACL, PCL, dislocated his kneecap. Um, they were worried about, you know, gangrene setting in his lower leg because of the popliteal artery in the back of the knee got severed. That could be a huge problem. And it was just an, an accident that you don't see in any sports. It was, it was that tragic that, you know, things like you would see in a car accident, it's not stuff that you'd see in a sports um, setting. So, 
yeah, so that happened. And then he, he bounced around, you know, wasn't, you know, was trying to fight his way back in and then finally got a steady job with Brooklyn as a, a point guard. He was playing with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce. Um, and so he, and Joe Johnson, he was doing really well there and then eventually landed with the Warriors and, you know, he was a pretty big, you know, played a really big role in their success. But uh, so it was awesome to see it go full circle, you know, you know, starting at the top because he was compared to his, you know, Magic Johnson at the time, all right. his high potential, and then went all the way down to the basement after the injury and had to really like fight his way back. And and like I said, it was, it's one of those comeback stories where he starts high, goes all the way back down, and then fights his way back up. Yeah. So, and maybe people that aren't familiar with Livingston's early days so much, think about like Clay Thompson this year and, and how much this title meant to him. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a similar story, although Livingston hadn't won titles before that, but it had a very successful basketball career, very promising. And then, you know, this horrible injury takes place and, um, you know, he was a real thin guy too. So it, yeah. it was just it, like, man, because for the time, being a point guard, he was the first point guard drafted out of high school, and he was only like 170 pounds, six foot seven. That was kind of a rarity that you don't really see, and especially back in the 2000s, like that was that was a tough era. Like even compared to now, you know, you had to have some meat on your bones back then to, you know, play basketball in the 2000s. You had some big guys, and he was not a big guy, and he wasn't a jump shooter, so he had to attack. Right, and. It, it was a tough, tough hand he was dealt. So you had that that uh, wonderful night there when you were, you said you were in fourth grade, ended up costing you a lot of money in the long run, I guess. Um, yes. But uh, tell me about your collecting though. I, I mean, I'm, I doubt you just went full on into Livingston at that point, even though you were following yeah. him. Tell me about your collecting kind of from that point forward. Yeah. So from that point forward, uh, the first ever basketball card that I ever purchased was the Black Diamond 0405 single diamond it was blue one uh, of livingston i still have it i still have it in the same penny sleeve i still have everything about it in the same exact condition that it was in but i i just started picking up you know packs i went to our local card shop and i would get you know birthday money that i would save up and you know i would either go buy packs or i would you know buy already like repacked stuff and like stacks of 100 cards for a dollar but that was that was where i found most of my enjoyment was saving money, you know, after school, going to the local card shop, spending 20 bucks on packs and, and just enjoying the whole process. And I remember one of the biggest cards I saw at the time I thought was so cool was an 89 Jordan. It was a BGS nine. And I, I just remember somebody walking in and showing the, the owner of the card. And I was just like, this is like, like, how could anybody not love this? It was, it was the coolest thing. So at least you had a local shop then that you were, uh, going to. So it wasn't just all retail. Uh, so you, you had some exposure to that. Were you in Beckett magazine or, or message I boards was, or kind of where, you know, where were you at? I was not in any, any of that, but I would, you know, occasionally go in with a handful of my Livingston cards and just, you know, ask the owner what he thought they'd be worth just to get an idea. Not that I was looking to sell them, but I was just interested in the whole aspect of collecting what things are worth, you know, I, I learned there the difference between refractors and just base chromes and patches and jersey cards. Like I, I was able to distinguish between things like that that probably most, you know, nine, 10 year olds probably weren't really aware of. And so right. I got good, kind of good hurt. hobby education. 100%. 100%. Okay. So then now I'm going to ask you the question because everyone, 
you know, or it seems like 90% of everyone's story is, well, I, I collected up until this point and then I went to college or, you know, such and such happened. And then I dropped it for so long. And then it's, it's always a question of what pulled him back in. So yeah. take me through, you know, stopping if you, if you did stop at some point and then coming back, what that looked like. Yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely stopped. So I collected very lightly from 2004 to 2007, just because again, I was middle school and you know, just using birthday money and then got to high school from 2008 to 2012. And I would pick up, you know, very low dollar cards at the time, maybe anywhere from 10 to 20 bucks. I think I was pretty terrified to spend any more than 30. But, um, and then went to college after that from 2013, it would be 2012 to 2017. And during that time, money was pretty spread thin. Um, I would still pick up cards here and there, like just smaller stuff every now and then. I just wanted to treat myself. But for the most part, I did not really collect from 2008 to 2017. And then even the three years after that, during my teaching, I was paying off student loans, car payments. And so it wasn't really until COVID happened with 2020 that I was trying to find you know, something to do and something that I enjoyed doing. And like a lot of people, I'm sure I kind of turned right back to collecting sports cards and I, I dove right back into it head first. So, and, and I would say, I mean, for, for it only being what, two and a half years or however long that time has been, I feel like you're pretty established in the, at least the Instagram community. You are, to me, you are the Sean Livingston guy. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious because player collectors seem to take on kind of an obsessive approach. And I don't mean that as a slight, I, I, I I say that as somebody who's in that same boat, but, um, I'm curious to know what your daily Livingston routine looks like then. How would you describe a, a day in the life of a player collector? Probably just about like everybody. First thing, alarm goes off six o'clock in the morning, roll over, check the eBay safe searches before I do anything and start scrolling through that. And after that, I probably check eBay safe searches about 15 more times a day, including before I go to bed. And if I wake up in the middle of the night, I'll check it. But other than that, I am collaborating with, you know, uh, collectors who do sets, who do player collections, team collections, like, like last week with John, like I talked to him quite a bit, uh, especially because he's a Clippers collector. And so that's kind of like one of those things where when you collect a certain player and a certain era of basketball, you kind of gravitate toward or attract people who either collect, you know, for Livingston, who collect Clippers cards, who collect, you know, ultimate collection or exquisite, because that would be one of those common things there. And then same thing with like sets. There are people who, you know, are trying to put together certain sets. And if I see that they're collecting certain cards like that, I enjoy seeing exquisite and ultimate collection more than I enjoy seeing like national treasures. So it's an easy way for me to communicate with a lot of like-minded collectors. So throughout the day, I'm constantly talking with people and it's, it's really cool because Instagram's kind of linked me with people from all over the world, as I'm sure you're the same way where I talk to people in Japan or Australia, you know, England, like just all over the place. And that's one of the really cool things is just being able to, you know, enjoy the hobby globally. Whereas prior to using Instagram, uh, I didn't have that. I kind of had the hobby to myself. I didn't really know all that was out there. And once I joined the Instagram community, I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is pretty cool. And it just started growing from there. 
yeah, how many hobbies out there will um, get you proficient in using Google Translate for Chinese conversations, yes, right? <laughs> I, I actually had to do that like, uh, it would have been maybe a month ago when I got a, a decent amount of exquisite cards in from China and we were talking about tracking and things like that and I couldn't read it. So I had to get the Google Translate out and take a picture of it and it translated everything. But yeah, it, it's a really cool experience to be able yeah. to do all. Back in the the 2000s, we used um, Yahoo Japan auctions, and I I can't even imagine how all of that happened without some of the technology we have now. I mean, we had translators, but not to the extent where you can you know now you can just point your phone at something and it it does a lot of the work for you. So we've come a long way, and that's that's a good thing that we're here now. You mentioned different spots in social media and. Um, a week or two ago, I made a brief return to Facebook, which I'd gotten off of it for a while because i it's just a bad place in general to me. Um, but I had made a brief return. The only thing that's really kept me there, it's not family, it's cards. Yeah. Um, and I saw some of your posts looking for Livingston. I knew immediately it was you without ever having seen you. And uh, so I, I think it's safe to say you're pretty active looking on all different sites and platforms. Okay. Other than we've talked about eBay, we've talked about Instagram and, and Facebook. Where else are you looking for Livingston cards? Yeah, so so eBay is the big one because I, I check that all the time. Uh, Instagram because I'm on there quite a bit. Facebook I, I check. I, I kind of put out the all call kind of a thing where I'll put a picture of what I'm looking for in just in hopes that somebody will see it that maybe I don't talk to on Instagram. But then Comp C is another one that I use, and I actually recently just got some refractors in from them and. They're awesome. They have everything really organized. And I just have always had good experiences with, you know, ordering cards from them. So those would be my four, eBay, ComC, Instagram, and then Facebook. Well, obviously uh, I love ComC as well. And, and since you mentioned it here, this, that's a great segue. Uh, now's as good a time as any to remind everyone that this show is brought to you in part by ComC.com, your home for buying, selling, and flipping all types trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 28 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time, ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. Maybe flip your way up to some nicer Sean Livingstons. For more info, you can check them out on social media under the handle at CheckoutMyCards. Okay, now um, one of the unfortunate realities of prioritizing a certain player as you do, or a certain team, sometimes as I do, is that um, it sometimes involves letting go of nice cards that don't necessarily fit your PC. Mm -hmm. And you yep. sent me some pictures earlier this week of some amazing all-star patches of guys like Kobe and Tim Duncan that are no longer in your collection. And when you, you know, you said, I hated to lose these. And I'm like putting my hands on my head, like, oh my goodness, those are, you know, amazing cards but I know that it was for a, a you know, a different yeah. cause. Right. So tell me a little bit about the process of letting go and, and, and what all that entails. Yeah. So at the time I had, it was a Carmelo Anthony, Tim Duncan, and a Kobe Bryant from 0708. It was SP uh, rookie threads. And the patch variation of that uses the gold foil. And a lot of times with those cards, they used all-star patches like with Shaq, uh, a lot of, you know, players that use those all-star patches. And I thought it was really cool. They weren't numbered cards. They weren't terribly expensive cards. I just thought they were super cool cards. And I really liked them. And I remember I was looking at this point in time to trim the PC down to consolidate into more Sean Livingston cards. 
And there were different exquisite cards that were popping up, which is my favorite. Exquisite to me is the king of all cards. And the only way for me to acquire a lot of these cards was to let go of cards that didn't necessarily fit the you know personal collection. And when I buy cards, the intent is always that it's for, for my collection. It's always a PC card. I never buy a card so that I can flip it later. But it's one of those things where as the collection evolved, some of the cards that initially were PC cards kind of started to fade toward being, you know, assets that I would be okay parting with if it meant I was getting something else that I valued more at that current time. And so, yeah, there was the Kobe All-Star jacket. And then, yeah, the other, you know, Duncan and the Carmelo were game-worn patches from the actual All-Star game. And, uh, yeah, I had to part with them, but... It was tough, but yeah, like I said, it was one of those things where just as the collection was changing, it was a card that I was okay at the time saying, you know what, I enjoyed it. I'll make a little bit of money on it. And I think it's going to be you know, a good card. So the card that's coming in, it'll make it a little bit less painful. So, and then the question I usually ask myself when I'm parting with cards is there's kind of two of them. One of them I'll ask myself is, what is it going to cost to get back? So if I decide I ever want to get that card back, what's it going to cost me or what am I going to get in return? And then probably the biggest one that most people do ask themselves is, can I get it back? You know, yeah. like we talked earlier, there's a flair tradition card. I have a Sean Livingston rookie card, not numbered, not an expensive card, but it's a three color headband card that he wore during his rookie photo shoot. That that's the only year they wore headbands or put headbands and cards and you're not going to find a three color headband card anywhere. And so is that a card I can get back? No. So is it one I'm ever going to, you know, part with? No. So for that purpose, if it's a card, I feel like if I down the road would like to get it back, you know, it's a little bit easier to let it go as opposed to if it's a card, I feel like there's no shot. I'm ever going to get a chance at it. I'll probably keep that one and try to find something else to, to move. Yeah. There's um, a card I've, talked about on this show uh trilogy trimarks i i traded with vintage pacers is that um, a triple autograph card it is a triple auto yeah so i i traded some nice grangers for it that i i liked yeah um but one i you know i know steve would appreciate them but number two it's like man this card's numbered to 40 but i haven't seen it in years so like my biggest fear in in making that trade was i know the second i make this trade a, a copy is going to show up yeah. And, and it hasn't, but I, that's always floating around in the back of my mind. And I, I guess worst case scenario, then Steve can buy one of those and replace that in his collection. So it is yeah. what it is. But I, every time I go to pull the trigger on something like that, I'm like, man, I know I've never found this card and it's probably going to show up out of nowhere after I do, but. Right. And, anyway. and those cards is tough too, because with the glass cards, there's yeah. no guarantee that the autograph is going to be struck very well or that it's still going to be intact. So that's the other tough part with those. Yeah. And this one, it's like, you know, he's a friend, the cards in front of me, you know, the deals there, let's do it. And I'm, it's actually, I'm, I told you earlier, I haven't mentioned this on the show, but I'm making a list of my top 50 cards in my PC and that one ranks pretty high. So I'm definitely happy that I made that trade. Um, now you talked about consolidating and getting rid of some stuff. Uh, one card that I noticed you haven't gotten rid of, however, that could definitely net you some nice Livingston cards is your Bowman Chrome gold refractor of LeBron James. And I think, is it 06 or yep, 07? 06, 07. Okay. Now I dug up your Instagram post that talked about this specific card and kind of looked over it as I was prepping for this. 
what's the story behind this card, the full story, and, and why is it so important to you? Right. So for me, it kind of stems all the way back to my early days of collecting. So it would have been right when the product came out. Um, and I remember, I, like I sent you the picture of the receipt, the car, the box was, I think it was $27 or something like that, plus shipping. And I actually looked it up now. I think the boxes are like, if you uh, wanted to get one, it's like $800. Right. And it's a hobby box too. Yeah. So back then it was only like 26 bucks. And I remember that was the first box I ever opened. And it was the coolest product I thought because the refractors and everything like that, it shined so nicely. And you got six cards in a pack. The first four were just regular Bowman. And then the last two cards were the Chromes. And unfortunately, I pulled a gold Jameer Nelson and a Daniel Gibson X-Factor. So I didn't have the best luck with the refractors. However, I pulled a couple of the Bowman Chrome LeBrons and I thought like eventually would it be so like wouldn't it be so cool if I could get the gold and the way it ended up working um I actually first got the regular refractor and a PSA 9 and at the time I was like this is the coolest thing ever and then I got the x-fractor out of 150 and a PSA 9 and I was like just kidding this is the coolest thing ever and then I remember seeing the on PWCC I saw the gold BGS 95 selling and I just remember watching because also at that time I had accumulated, you know, a pretty good run of the Topps Chrome Refractors and PSA nines of Kobe from 2000 to 2005. And then from uh, 2006 to 2009 without the 08, I didn't have the 08. But I just remember seeing that and thinking, mm, I could probably make a, a good run at this LeBron if I moved all of these. I didn't do it at the time. So it sold. I was like, mm, I don't know. And then a couple months later, another one popped back up on eBay. And I decided, I was like, I'm going for it. I don't know how this is going to play out, but I was like, I'm going to sell all of my Kobe refractors before the auction even ends. Like, there's no guarantee I'm going to win the card either. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to move all of them. And I moved them in about five days. I think I had about seven days to do it. And so I got everything moved. And at that point it was okay. Now it's just, let's sit back and, and wait and, and hope I don't miss it. And I ended up winning it with a little bit of money left over that I was anticipating having to use. So it was one of the like best feelings ever until the card actually came in. Then that became the best moment ever. Like just realizing the whole journey of, you know, having that be the first box I ever opened you know, fast forward, you know, going through the refractor, going through the X-Fractor, building up the Kobe PC, selling that, consolidating, winning this card, having it come in in a BGS 9.5 out of 50 just presented perfectly. And yeah, that's a card I, I, I can't move. I, I just, it's one of those that just brings me back. It's just, to me, it's like my favorite LeBron gold refractor, even though it's not valued the highest, which we kind of talked about like collector, you know, perceptions on certain cards. To me, the the shine on that card and just the intrinsic value and the story behind it, you know, is told perfectly just in a perfect condition card for the most part. And yeah, it's, it's awesome. I, I love it. Like I yeah. still sometimes can't believe it. It's, it all happened the way it did, but it worked out perfectly. And some of those years, those Bowman Golds were dull and ugly. Whereas, seven, yeah, yeah. Oh, seven was kind of, mm. yeah, but and, that, and that those year, were 99. 
and yeah. this one's on 50 and i i just like the rarity aspect. yeah rare card better shine amazing picture of lebron yeah uh, it's the is it the reverse dunk on that one it yeah yeah no it's not a reverse dunk the, no. it is a dunk though right one-handed jam i believe one-handed jam. okay i think all of his bowman chromes except his rookie year are dunking pictures i think the reverse dunk i believe is 0405 okay that's right that's right all right well um you know, as we start to wind things down here, I want to close with the same activity I did. You mentioned John earlier, Clips Card fan, um, yep. really enjoyed chatting with him. So I want to do a, a similar activity that um, listeners heard on there where I asked him to tell me about the top three cards in his collection. So we spent all this time talking about your amazing Livingston collection, or maybe your LeBron's on there. I'm not going to spoil it here, but I'd like for you to do the same. Tell me about your three favorite cards and a little bit about how you acquired them. Let's start with number three and then work your way to number one. Okay. So my top three, I'm going to keep in with Livingston. And starting at number three, I have the 2304 Tops Finest Gold Refractor XRC out of 25. Okay. So that'd be my number three. Can Can you explain the XRC to people real yeah. quick? So the way that worked in 2304 Tops Finest, there would be draft pick numbered cards that would be inserted into those packs that would have to be redeemed the following year to get the card of the next year's draft. And so for this, and the, and the cards of those are really cool too, because if they were refractors, the whole card shined, it was a really mm -hmm. cool card. And there were expiration dates. I believe they were in 2006 on those cards. I could be wrong, but I think it's 2006. So to actually obtain one of those XRCs, there were a lot of hoops that you had to jump through. You had to first get the card. You had to mail it in. You had to mail it in before the expiration date. So there's no guarantee, you know, if you open it late, like it's one of those things that you might be out of luck, but then you have to get the card in. And then it's just a whole process that you hope it's in good condition and all that kind of stuff because it's being mailed back and forth. And so I saw that pop up on eBay a couple of years ago. And I've been always looking for one of those. I just you know, being that it's out of 25, it might as well be out of five because you just, you just don't see them pop up because a lot of people set collect that year for Top's Finest and they're just beautiful cards. So when I saw that one pop up, it was one that it was kind of like, I have to have this card. I don't, you know, I don't care what it takes. I'll let go of cards that I deem PC cards if it means I can get this one. And luckily I won it. And yeah, that's my number three. All right. So number two, Number two and number one were kind of tough because I didn't know how to split it because they're kind of two different cards, but they both fulfill to what I would believe to be the best card, either parallel or, you know, memorabilia cards. But I, I struggled with it, but I put number two, I put 0405 Tops Chrome Super Factor 101, which is his rookie card. And that was kind of a crazy story, a very stressful story because so... I was notified by Mike Iverson memorabilia and on Instagram and then Chatri, who actually he just had on, I believe it was last week for yep. the show. And his Instagram is Wade underscore Zoe. And I remember getting messages from both of them saying, Hey, look what just popped up on Facebook on the comments thread. Not even as a post. It was just in the thread of comments saying, like, hey, I got one of these too. Check it out. And somebody was trying to sell a couple of those 0405. Uh, super factors and just in the comments uh, this guy named alan who i went back and forth with many times great guy uh 
said, yeah, that he pulled this card back in the day and he just always hung on to it. He never put it, you know, he never showed it to anybody really. He never sold it. He just kept it for all these years. And I, prior to messaging him, prior to actually interacting with him, when I saw that, I was like, I have to have it. So I went onto the threads, I messaged him. I saw very quickly that there were other people also trying to get that card. And a lot of that doubt kind of set in of, I don't know if it's going to work out. Like this might just be one of those cards where you have to say, you know what, you can't have the world. You can have some things, but you can't have everything. And I just remember kind of obsessively, I messaged him on eBay. I messaged him on Instagram. I messaged him on Facebook Messenger. I messaged him on the comments. Kind of crazy, but I messaged him on all these different platforms, hoping that he would see it before accepting an offer from somebody else. And so I sat on that all night. The next morning, I got a response from him saying, hey, saw your collection. It's really awesome. Like, you know, he's not looking to move it, but for the right price, he would. And there were other people shooting him offers. And so he and I ended up talking on the phone. We worked out an agreement and he, you know, very politely uh, said that he would send me the card and accept payment, you know, in, in chunks and different payments and over time. So it was a super awesome collector to collector transaction. And yeah, when it came in, it was like, how in the world did this just happen? You know, it was like, that's a dream card for me anyway. So that, yeah, that was a super cool story. Super cool. You know, I think about the whole process that went into that card um, as far as getting it and just how it had never surfaced anywhere. And just all of a sudden just popped up and it's almost like everything's just, you know, everything in the universe aligned just right for that card. But anyway, yeah, that's my number two. And then. Okay. Yeah. How do we top that? So in my opinion, anyway, some people are parallel guys and some people are the memorabilia guys. So it, that could be subjective. Me, it's the 0607 dual logo man auto uh, 101 exquisite and it's with Corey mcgetty and sean livingston and so that came from a uh, collector shinsuke uh, who's overseas and i actually messaged him unrelated to the card because at the time i had no idea and he never posted it he's never done anything with it it was just his card that he had tucked away he hadn't posted or anything but i remember talking to him about, you know, it's a, he's a really nice Ray Allen collection. And so we were talking about that. And then he said, what are the chances that you collect Sean Livingston? Like, check this out. And then he sent me the picture of that. And I was just blown away. I couldn't believe it. I, it was like, what are the chances? He's like, yeah, I pulled this card myself. Hmm. And he had pulled a lot of really nice, exquisite cards prior to that too, including a 0304 Jordan 101 patch auto that he had sold to Spinatron. So he showed me that and I kind of probably bugged him for two months about that card, you know, and he was saying he wasn't looking to sell it yet, but if the time was right, he would let me know. And then I just kind of kept coming back saying like, Hey, just check it in. Like any chance you would move it. And then we, again, we worked out a deal on it and that was one of the most exciting mail days ever because you have the, the rush of, you know, negotiating. You have the thrill of the deal being accepted. Then you have the, you know, the anxiety of the card being sent overseas that you have to wait for, for like a week. And then that, that final moment where it's out, you know, in transit out for delivery. And you're just like hoping to God, they don't miss, you know, (laughs) send it to the wrong house. And then it just, 
never service or get that what is that peach slip or pink slip on the door yeah I hate those. so yeah you just hope that doesn't happen and then got it in opened it and it was it was so cool it was one of those dream come true cards where i had been after a logo man for the longest time and to have it be you know an exquisite dual logo man what I would deem to be his best one because it's a game worn logo man, as opposed to his 0405, which is rookie photo shoot. Yeah, it was so cool. So for me, that's, that's the number one. Well, hopefully we can resurrect some more of those rare Sean Livingston's that are out there. You've had some amazing luck. Now I say luck, but really you put yourself in the position to take advantage of that luck too. Had you not been so proactive in networking and being on these, you know, message board or not message boards, but social media and everywhere that wouldn't have all come to be. So uh, kudos to you for putting yourself in the right spot for that. Matt, we could uh, continue this conversation forever. I see the, the zoom clock above me is winding down here. So as I mentioned in the intro, you know, we've messaged some back and forth, but I've never been able to chat with you for an extended period of time. We've done it today. We're probably going to have to have another conversation at some point. Cause I feel like there's so much more to be said, but before I let you go, feel free to plug your social media handles, anything you might be working on uh, or anything specific that you're looking for. These next few moments here are yours. Yeah. So Instagram is basketball card collector 93. And then Twitter is S.14 collector. And right now, just basically anything exquisite, anything ultimate collection, those are kind of just cards that I love and I'm always looking to add more of to the collection. And so for me, those are, those are the big ones, gold refractors, of course. Um, but, but yeah, I would think those would be kind of the, the refined list of cards that I'm looking for. All right. Perfect. And we'll get some graphics up of your top three cards and some of the stuff that you're looking for. So people can get a good idea, but if in doubt, just shoot it over either to me or to Matt, we'll make sure that he gets that. And he sees that. Thanks again, Matt. Sounds good, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, there you have it. Thanks again to Matt for coming on the show. And Matt's a fellow teacher and I feel like we had a lot in common. So don't be surprised if he ends up back on the show in a future episode. Maybe there was something we talked about today that resonated with you. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast. I'm also on Twitter under at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top, Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.